welcome back to the Caught Red Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Jesse Light. I'm Megan Light. We are just two dog lovers talking about true crime, horror movies, and most likely our dogs too. Happy Halloween, everyone. Indeed. We've got a special episode for you guys today. Less murder, more spooky. Yes. Yes? Yes. Sweet. I'm ready for it. While she was getting this episode ready, I was watching watching, trash. watching football, sports ball, whatever y'all like to call it. But I had Slaughterhouse on in the background. I could hear it from the sunroom and I was like, what in the world? It might be like top five worst horror movies I've ever seen. Well, the concept doesn't give... I know. <laughs> like, I guess I got to watch Veloci- uh, Pastor just to see if that's like on the same level. Oh, I'm sure it, it is. It probably is. Or like that Winnie the Pooh movie. It was about that bad. So, Blood and Honey. I, yeah, don't recommend it unless you just want to laugh. So, and then... Really, I mean, we had Lost Boys on earlier today, too. Obviously, we're on a horror movie kick. We're I'm sure always we'll have on like, a horror movie kick. Yeah, three mm-hmm. or four other movies tomorrow. I watched Hotel Transylvania while she was working on her case as well. I love that one. It's so much fun. Let's jump right into it, though, while the dogs are napping. Well, it's very late. It is their bedtime right now, so... Fingers crossed. We're going to do this live one take. Well, (laughs) we'll see how that goes. Get into it, girl. All right. Shit. I only have a couple of sources for today. I have a fax sheet from the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, the Cleveland Clinic, Yahoo News, Variety.com, JoeBlow.com, Joe Blow. I don't, well, you know, I only got like a snip from that, so it's not like a... Reliable source right right there. It's not super legitimate, but I I put it in there. Then I have metaphysicsarticles.com, and then I kind of browsed and scrolled through some different online forums like Reddit. Sounds good. Now, is there any exorcists in this movie, or in this episode? No. 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 We haven't brought up the fact that we watched the new Exorcist movie, have we, either? No, we haven't. Well, we watched that. I think because I messaged, I think, JMA, and we talked about it on, oh. online. And then you put the story up. But other than that, we hadn't said anything. What did mm-hmm. you think about it? It was okay. Just eh? Yeah, I wish there was more to it. Like, I felt like it was lacking. Yeah. But I also love The Conjuring. So when I think of possession movies... And along that line, I think of... Hard to Beat, The Conjuring. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one a lot. I don't really care that much for exorcism movies, so I was just like, eh. But... I... Well, I'm going to kind of get into it here in a minute, but those are the ones that creep me out the most. Well, go ahead. I'll I'll stop interrupting. No, it's fine. (laughs) Look how cute Derby is, by the way. In honor of Halloween and this episode coming out on it, I thought we could all use a bit of a a ghost story, a haunting. It's not really a palate cleanser, but I guess it could be. (laughs) So if you are listening to this and it's not 
Halloween, then at least you can get some spooky vibes from it. This is going to be full of some paranormal events. It will mention the Warren, so Ed and Lorraine. Not a huge role or anything. And we did watch The Devil on Trial on Netflix. And myself and some others don't really know what to believe when it comes to the Warrens. I'm not knocking that they don't have some sort of ability. I'm not knocking their beliefs. Like they're kind of doing it for clout. Maybe so, yes. Kids' words these days. Clout. Recognition. Something (laughs) like that. I, myself, I believe in spirits and ghosts. We have one at the restaurant, Spooky. When Dad was on here, I think he told a couple of stories about him. And he will just have to come back and tell us more. Yeah, hint, go hint, back. Wink, wink. Go back to our bonus episode, Mythical Creatures. Something along those lines. Yes. I do think there are a lot of things that go unexplained. To me, the idea of possession is the scariest over slashers and such because those are... Slashers, those are real people doing real things with like a real weapon, a tool of some kind. But being terrorized by something unseen just gives me the wickens. The sloth was kind of a slasher with well, his he claws, does have claws, but he did use a samurai sword too once somehow. So, oh my god, I'm glad I missed out on this one. I already said that I love The Conjuring. I think it's probably one of my favorite movies. Really, I watch it probably once a month. No. Yeah. You're not home all the time. (laughs) And I give it that honor because it was the first movie in a long time, if ever, that I ever like jumped, had a good jump scare in it. Like the clap, the clapping scene? No, it was the scene, the second time you see the sister walking into the, uh, armoire and the thing is up above it and comes down. Cause when you see her Earlier in the movie, and she's bumping into it, is just there's nothing there. So when I was watching, I expected nothing to be there. And then there's Bathsheba and her crazy ass, like coming on down. Surprise, bitch. Yes. Now we're going to get into it. Heading back to the 1980s, we are going to go to Rancho Cucamonga. Yes. Really? Yes. Dude. I didn't know where that... You know where that is? No. It's in between L.A. and San Bernardino. Okay. In sunny Southern California. And here lived the Moffat family. For seven years, they would be haunted by an ancient, powerful, and evil entity. Following the end of the events in the home, the family decided it was best to never speak of what happened, living in fear that... If one of them just mentions anything that happened in that house, the spirit or whatever it was would return. Seven years. I'm getting the hell out of that house after one year. But of course, it follows you, right? Yes. After about 28 years, give or take, I guess family members decided it was long enough and it was safe enough to start talking about it. And there will be a couple books written. Interesting. Have you read them yet? No, because I can't find them anywhere. Really? Amazon doesn't have one of them available, and the one it does have, it's like listed for $500. What? So I was like, "Mm, I'll pass. You better shout out all your book club people, and maybe somebody's got one, and they can let you borrow it or something. that's a good idea. Life was grand. 
promising, full of hopes and dreams before this thing entered the Moffat home in 1987. I'm not quite sure how they met exactly, but Deborah and Bill Jr. lived on the opposite sides of the country and they would send each other letters in the mail. They sent each other VA. VHS recordings of their favorite shows, and this was like their way of dating. Before Tinder? Yes. Deborah would eventually move to California. She marries Bill in 1981, and they would end up living with Bill's parents. Bill's parents lived on Archibald Avenue in one of the three houses owned by the Moffats. I believe the houses were all in a row, side by side. In one home lived Lena, or I'm going to call her Lee, Moffitt's mother, Dominica. And another was Lee and Bill Sr. and now Deborah and Bill Jr. So the four of them are in the middle house. And then the last house used to be owned by Bill Jr.'s aunt. I don't know if that was his mother's side or father's side, but she had passed away and left the house to Bill Jr., Bill Jr. had been living with his parents because he suffered from a heart condition. He had cardiomyopathy, which is a disease of the heart muscle. It just makes it harder for the heart to pump blood throughout the rest of the body. And he couldn't be alone, so he lived with them. And then, you know, Deborah didn't mind. He lo- she liked her in-laws, so she didn't mind living with them. Everyone was pleasant. It was a cohesive home. And it was kind of nice, you know, having her grandmother-in-law, I guess you could call her, living next door, too. She just admired that they were so close-knit. Dominica, obviously elderly, had health issues. In 1984, the Moffats hired a caretaker named Juanita from Guatemala to come daily and look after her. The rumor was that Juanita practiced Santeria. And maybe I'm just a product of my time because I always think of Sublime's song. I don't practice Santeria. Ain't got no crystal ball. Well, I had a million dollars, but I I spent it all. Which you probably heard me singing that earlier downstairs. I didn't, no. Oh, I guess it's just me. You're singing it to Ripley. Oh, yeah, you're right. So what is Santeria? It translates in English to the way of the saints. And y'all, Megan can sing. I can't sing, but <laughs> she can sing. So, Santeria was developed and practiced in private by the Yoruba people. I think I said it right. And these people were taken to Cuba as slaves by the Spanish. And the Spanish government only allowed Catholicism on the island. So with this ban in place, the slaves would disguise their gods as Catholic figures and they kept on praying. So Santeria is the result of Catholic beliefs and African folklore, which some would see as witchcraft. Interesting. So her caretakers into all that. Oh, so it was all fine and dandy until Juanita Juanita shows up. Along with the rumor of Juanita practicing Santeria was another rumor that she had performed a ritual in Dominica's house and somehow it opened a door to a paranormal universe, a different realm than one we live in. Juanita's hope was that this ritual would allow Dominica to stay alive 
to live longer. Juanita was on a work visa there in the U.S., and if Dominica died, then she would more than likely lose it and then be sent away. So did she have permission to, to do this whole thing, or did she do it behind she, her back? I don't think she asked, no. <laughs> Sadly, it did not work, and Dominica passed in 1984. The morning after her passing, Bill Sr. and Lee received a call from Juanita, who was in this state of panic, and she was hyperventilating. She was screaming that there was something in the house, and it was chasing her. They had some sort of a language barrier. Juanita was speaking broken English and Spanish, and it was all mixed in together. But it wasn't the words that worried them. It was her emotions, and it's like they could feel her fear through the phone. The Bills, as I called them on occasion today, Bill Sr., Bill Jr., the Bills, decided to go see what all this fuss was about. And as they approached Dominica's house, out comes Juanita. She pretty much just busts the door down and she's trying to flee from this home. And they see her running down the street. And as they're watching her, both men witness this white glowing orb chase after her. Then suddenly, the orb's direction changed, and it goes straight up in the air, out of their sight, almost dissipating into thin air. What? Moments later, Juanita must have sensed the thing was gone, and she turned around, meeting up with the men. Still in a panic, Juanita was brought inside Bill Sr.'s house, and the Moffat family is trying to console her, trying to calm her down. I'm just picturing her as the housekeeper from Goonies, just so you know. I know that has nothing to do with the story. Yes. (laughs) All Juanita could do was apologize with all the Spanish-English rambling she was doing. At one moment, she said something along the lines of, I was just trying to help. Sometime later, a friend of Juanita's came to pick her up, and as she was exiting the Moffat home, she turned to Lee and told her to never go into her mother's house because there was something evil living there. The men had decided whatever Juanita had seen was far more terrifying than that little white orb that they witnessed. Dominica's spirit's chasing after her. Get out of my house! Lee did listen, as did the rest of the family, but only for so long. Bill Sr. had a crew to go through and clean up, make any repairs to his mother-in-law's home, eventually wanting to rent it out. Did she die in the home? I believe so. The crew soon discovered items in the home, ones that confirmed those rumors. The crew came across a lot of candles, small daggers and knives, rosary beads that had been broken and spilled around the house, and then the remains of animals, small ones, were tucked into certain areas of the home. That was Juanita's doing? Yes. Creepy. All these things added up to one thing, especially when you consider Juanita's home and upbringing the Santeria lifestyle. She was, she was deep into the Santeria. She, yeah. Juanita's intentions had been good. She was trying to save Dominica and then, of course, herself from deportation. Someone outside that religious belief might interpret these things as dangerous. Someone like Lee, who is a devout Catholic. Regardless, years passed and nothing bad ever happened. 
life after Dominica's death and Juanita's frantic outburst was just normal for the Moffats. Something wasn't waking them up at three in the morning every night or something? Not yet. In 1987, three years later, things started to get strange. The atmosphere was different. Things felt off. First were some events in the home that Bill Jr.'s aunt once owned. The Moffitts decided they were going to rent it out since no one was living in it. Bill Jr. and Deborah were still in the middle house with Bill Sr. and Lee. The man who was renting the house was named Danny. Could never figure out what his last name was. Not important, you know. I don't blame him for not wanting to be associated, you know. Danny DeVito. We'll just call him that. I'm just going to call him Danny. Okay. There was one condition for the renter. One in the rooms that was to stay locked at all times had a bunch of Bill's sports ball memorabilia. He had, he had jerseys, medals, etc. in there. And he let Danny know that on occasion he'd come over and check out, make sure all of his stuff was okay, untouched, no big deal. Bill Jr. was the one that was over there fairly often and... Typically, everything was fine. You know, he always locked the door. But one afternoon, Bill Jr. goes over there to do his little check, and he was shocked when he discovered that all of his bobbleheads were no longer in their rightful place. Does he have a super, like, OCD problem or what? Danny's probably just making jokes. Instead, they were all over the floor, placed specifically in the oddest shape. There were some in the shape of a triangle, while others made an S shape coming off the base of that triangle like it was a tail. Logically, it had to have been Danny pulling a prank or something. Danny swore it wasn't him when they confronted him. Plus, again, Bill Jr. always locked that door. This was just the beginning of the weird movements in the Moffat homes. That's so weird. That had to be Danny. I don't know. We'll find out. What's the significance of a triangle with an S shape at the base of the triangle? It relates to... Some devil shit? Some shit, yes. Yeah. Not long after the incident with the bobbleheads, a strange occurrence happened in the home where Lee and Bill Jr. and Sr. and Deborah lived. Lee, being the religious woman and the devout Catholic that she was, she had a small altar in the home that had some statues of saints and candles, Jesus' fixture. One morning, she woke up and she saw that some of her clothes had been placed over the altar. One article was resting in the hands of the statue of Jesus. On a different morning, she woke up to find a watch in a wallet she didn't recognize. When she opened the wallet... She found out it belonged to Danny, their tenant next door. How odd, she must have thought. Just another prank gone wrong. It was almost offensive to Lee because, you know, these weren't just any items in the house. They were on her altar. Right. Lee and Bill Sr. returned the items to the house next door. But again, on just a couple of random mornings, they would return. Every time they appeared, the Moffats just simply took them back to the rented house the family would soon find out that Danny had no idea that his items were missing. He had no idea his items were just popping up on the altar like that. Yeah, I doubt he would just go put his own wallet somewhere. He didn't have a key to their home either. 
Yeah. So that's strange. So sure. yeah, like what is going on? Why would Danny's personal items? Yeah. And why on the altar? I could see him doing the sports memorabilia stuff, but yeah, the whole altar thing, I doubt he would do that. Danny ends up moving out not long after all this because I mean like shit's getting weird. So once he moves out, no more random objects appeared in the main Moffat home. What a feeling of sweet relief. So they thought it was him the whole time. Maybe it was Danny the whole time. With Danny gone, the Moffats went to the house and they started cleaning up for the next tenants. Danny was the ideal renter. He kept the house clean, which Bill, you know, obviously saw frequently when he went over there to check on his little trinkets. As the family is moving room to room, they noticed that on some of the light switches, there were these like really weird markings. Some were made in crown. Like, what? What is this? And Bill Jr. recognized that some of the drawings looked familiar because he'd seen that same symbol with his bobbleheads. It was the same triangle with the S curved down like a tail coming down from the base of it. This was made in crayons on, on the, the light, lights. On the switches? light switches. Yeah, on the light switches. How strange. What a random place. Mm-hmm. Later in the living room, uh, later in the living room, Deborah was cleaning and she looked up on the mantle and she saw these cute little dog figurines. And then she turned to do something else. And when she turned back around, all the dogs that were facing her were now facing the wall. She obviously had a little head tilt. Like, huh, well, that's kind of suspicious. Deborah, let it go. But... I ain't letting it go. <laughs> Are you kidding me? But there was a sinking feeling in her gut that she knew what she had seen. The next day, the family went back over to finish up some cleaning. Deborah and Bill Jr. walked into the living room to find a lamp sitting in the middle of the floor. And what made it really odd was that that lamp came from a bedroom. So it just got legs and walked on in there by itself? The house had been locked up, and if someone broke in, why would they just move a lamp? Weird. Just, just, just weird things. Little things like that, right? Same day, Deborah headed into the kitchen, and she just, on a whim, decides to ask whatever was there... Whatever was giving her that feeling in her gut to just move something around in front of her. Don't talk to it. She wanted to see if it was real, if this thing was going to show itself to her and nothing. She waited a couple more minutes just in case, pleased with herself, and she kind of laughed like, uh, whatever. She leaves the kitchen and as she's passing through the dining room, she stops the dining room table had been moved just slightly from its normal spot. She went and got Bill Jr. and showed him, and he wasn't impressed. It's like poltergeist. Deborah asked the thing to move a picture, and nothing happened. Feeling a little defeated, she and Bill Jr. just kept on cleaning. But later that day, the two were passing back through the dining room, and sitting on the table was the picture she asked to be moved. Now Bill was kind of getting on the same level that Deborah was on. It was just the two of them in the house. No one else had come in, gone out. He knew he didn't do it, and he knew she didn't do it. By the time the house was cleaned up and ready for new renters, 
the weird things stopped a little bit. Of course, Deborah and Bill Jr. told his parents about like these strange occurrences. Bill Sr. brushed it off. Lee listened. Soon enough, a couple was inquiring about the house. When Tom and Michelle moved in, again, like Danny, don't know the last names. When Tom and Michelle moved in, Deborah and Bill Jr. felt obligated to inform them about the strange happenings in the house and that it could be haunted. I assume Bill Sr. was not happy about this because he didn't want the tenants scared off. He wanted their money, you know? Yeah, they get a discount. Right. He's like, I see dollar signs, not objects moving. (laughs) The couple wasn't deterred, though. Tom and Michelle either didn't experience anything or they never spoke up. Maybe they thought the Moffats were just a bunch of, like, jokesters saying it was haunted for, like, shits and giggles. But a few months go by. And Deborah sees Michelle out in front of the house, tending to the garden, and she can see the left side of Michelle's face, and it's bruised and swollen. Deborah rushed out to check on her. Michelle's eyes are just filled with tears. Deborah could see that she was covered in bruises in various stages of healing. Deborah asked her what had happened, and Michelle, almost whispering, said Tom had changed. He was different ever since moving into that house. The man she had loved was quiet and loving, but now he was aggressive, acting out, taking his anger out on her. Deborah told her to go get help, but Michelle was adamant that things were just going to be fine. She would be fine, and a week later, Michelle would never be seen again. What? Tom informed the Moffats that she had broken up with him, packed her things, and left a few weeks later. Tom broke the lease and moved out of the house, too. So he killed her or something, or hopefully she left him. I don't know. The Moffats didn't know what happened between the couple. They just knew they were gone. Deborah and Bill Jr., like before, went to check things out, start cleaning again. Like when Danny left, the house was well kept and clean. They did see that a rug was missing, but it was old, and they assumed that Tom and Michelle took it upon themselves to finally throw it out. Before Tom and Michelle moved in, did they clean up, like, the crayons and all that marking? I would think so. They probably painted, yes. (laughs) While they were cleaning one afternoon, a man stopped by the rental house and asked Deborah and Bill if they knew where Tom had gone. He hadn't left a forwarding address or anything, so they weren't sure. They asked if the man wanted to leave a message with them in case Tom reached out for some reason. The man said, I just wanted to give him my condolences and tell him I'm sorry about Michelle. Reading their faces, the man asked if they had heard the news. In shock, Deborah said no. Apparently, Michelle's body had been found in a landfill wrapped in a rug. The rug that was missing from the house? Oh, my god! As Deborah is trying to sort through her emotions, Bill Jr. felt puzzled. Something like that would have been big news, but he hadn't read or heard anything about it. So who was this man, and was he lying? Whether or not the four Moffat family members believed in things that were going on, the The death of Domenica, Lee's mother, the strange reaction of Juanita, and the various items found in Domenica's home. We have everything with Lee's altar and the bobbleheads. 
the movement of those dog figurines table lamp everything that was happening in the rental house and then there's this man talking about michelle's body so bill never saw that in the news no how strange it felt like it was just time to start over start fresh yeah leave the houses sell them they planned to and moved to the other side of town bill senior decided to list all three moffat houses and i think as like a whole set not individually And when they sold, it seemed like little things were kind of happening while they were packing. Pictures would turn around on the walls, knickknacks that were put in boxes were found out in the house again. It's like this thing knew and wanted to let them know, hey, I'm still here. It was at the end of 1987, and the majority of the items were in boxes and at the new house. Deborah and Lee were working on the remainder of a back bedroom, and the two women heard what they thought was an explosion coming from the kitchen. At the new house? At the old house. They were doing the last-minute packing. To their surprise, all the cabinets appeared to be ripped off the walls. He's pissed now. As they stood in the kitchen looking up and down and all around at this mess and wondering what the hell happened, another sound shook them. It was the sound of glass being shattered back in the bedroom where they once were. When they reached that bedroom, all the windows were broken, but not from someone throwing something in. It looked like the glass was blown out, shattered on the ground outside. Needless to say, the women were glad to be out of that house and ready for their fresh start. Crazy. I think it's Danny with an invisibility cloak. (laughs) And he's just getting back at him. No. (laughs) (laughs) It is now 1988, and the Moffats were settling nicely into their new house. It was pleasant and peaceful. Not one crazy thing had happened. But it would not be long before occurrences began again. It was sometime between the first couple of weeks into that first month at the new house when Bill Sr. was walking through the living room and he saw a family picture turned around. Lee remembered that she had just cleaned that room and everyone felt at ease because they were all like, oh, she must have moved it around and just forgot to set it back the right way. No big deal. Surely, whatever strange presence, strange things did not travel across town with him. <laughs> Whatever it was, was left behind. Is it just like when JJ and Hannah come and check on the cats and they turn one of our frames upside down while they're here? Oh my God, I forgot about that. The Moffats continued on with their lives, not knowing how wrong they were. First, it was the screams. All four would be woken up in the middle of the night by the sound of someone or something screaming. Other nights, they thought they would hear their names being whispered into their ears as they slept. Items in the house would be moved or just go missing. And then all of a sudden, the first of many messages appeared. One day, Lee went into the bathroom and she discovered a message written in soap that said, Talk to me. Well, she thought maybe I will. Lee gathered her family into the bathroom, wiped the mirror clean, and asked for another message. They waited, and nothing. Family left the bathroom, waited a few more minutes, giving it one more shot. They re-entered, 
and found a new message that said, no escape. What? If any of them thought another family member was doing these things around the house, now they know that couldn't be true because they were all four within each other's eyesight when that message appeared. I bet they're regretting moving at this point. Like, we, we had this whole compound, <laughs> and we sold it because we thought that there were spirits in there, and now they followed us. As weeks passed, more messages appeared. One morning, the mirror just had one word, and it said, fools. Other days, they were like warnings, letting the Moffats know that there was bad wiring in the attic, or then the... Messages were kind of scary, like, Lee die or I hate Lee. Scared for his wife's life, Bill Sr. yelled out, Who are you? Moments later, on the mirror, it just said one word, Prince. Unknown who or what it might be, the Moffat family finally, finally admitted to themselves that something paranormal was with them, that it had moved with them and it was not going anywhere. So they were like, Ed and Lorraine, where you at? Getting there. For some reason, this thing did not like Lee. Bill Sr., who's not as devout as his wife, went to the Catholic Church seeking help. He wanted a cleansing and a blessing done on the home. A local priest agreed, and once he arrived at the Moffat house, he was overcome with this uncomfortable feeling. He did not want to enter the residence. Knowing that this family was in trouble, he pushed past that feeling of dread and entered. But he only made it a few steps into the house's entryway, into their little foyer, and he stopped. He sprinkled a little holy water, said a quick prayer, and he was out of there. Fast. You can already imagine whatever was in that house was not happy with the priest coming. And the thing let them know. The messages following the priest's visit became more frequently, daily, multiple times a day. The I hate Lee and the Lee die messages were appearing on the mirror all the time. Not to mention the triangle with the little S-tail symbol was popping up all over the house, even being carved into the walls. There were pentagrams showing up. Crosses were being drawn upside down, and then the crosses that were already hanging on the walls were now being flipped upside down. Lee's altar, the same one that she had in the previous home, was suffering damage. Her statues were broken, thrown across the room. Lee wanted to move out of their bedroom because she felt like she was almost suffocating from the negative energy, but Bill Sr. refused to give in. He's like, this is my room, damn it. Sleeping here. One night would change his mind, though. He and Lee headed to their bedroom, only to find their mattress had been torn to shreds and personal belongings thrown all around. Dang. They would abandon the upstairs altogether and began staying in the same bedroom on the main floor as Bill Jr. and Deborah. It's just terrorizing them. No one went upstairs to the second floor for anything unless it was absolutely necessary. The Moffats had hoped that whatever was bothering them was, like, stuck upstairs because Deborah and Bill Jr. had not experienced anything on that main floor. A feeling of ease was on the way when messages started to appear again, and this time not just on the mirror. It's like this presence was fed up with its messages being wiped away so easily. 
the Moffats would come home to scratches in the wall or what looked like crowns on the wall, the message is again targeting Lee. There was no doubt in the mind that it was Lee that they want, that this thing wanted. Lee would read her Bible and messages on the mirror would start mocking God. Trying to outsmart this presence, she and the Bills would speak in Italian, but that didn't work. She soon found messages written in Italian. The family was reaching its breaking point, near insanity. What could they do? Nothing they've tried worked. They've moved once, but who is to say that if they moved again, this thing wouldn't follow? It probably would. They've tried the church, but we all know how well that went. There would be no reason to try and change anything in the house because it might put them in more danger. And you, the, the people that are living in the their old compound probably are just living peacefully. They're probably, this is a great house. Yeah. <laughs> what they needed was to understand this presence. They needed to know more about what they were up against. Maybe through research, they could find someone or a group to guide them, someone that could save them. Deborah and Lee hit the books. They read any and everything about paranormal entities and activities as much as they could. They went to conventions and conferences. These ladies were like out there networking and chatting with whoever would give them the time of day. And some of these individuals that they met were intrigued. And they agreed to visit the Moffat home, but none of them were able to help the Moffats out. None of them knew what type of presence was haunting the family. The Moffats did end up learning like a new term from a psychic that came over. They kept calling it an entity. They had never used that word before until now. Well, this time. Some of these individuals were scared off by messages that were written, or objects like chairs being thrown at them. The entity was becoming violent, angry more than likely at Lee because she was the focus and she was seeking help. For example, Lee was about to lay down one evening and when she pulled back the covers, various kitchen knives were in the bed, handles in the mattress and the blade end pointing up. Knives were now this entity's favorite new weapon, appearing everywhere Lee was known to frequent, like the bed or her favorite reading chair. Lee was always looking over her shoulder in her own house. I'm taking all sharp objects out of my home. (laughs) That's crazy. She was always afraid that if she didn't look before stepping, there would be a knife waiting for her. Your face. I know. Another example that There's was... There's not a movie of this out yet? Like, what? So, there was another example about, like, the knife situation. Like, for instance, she sat down at the dinner table one night, and she felt something on the inner thigh, and there was a knife poking through the cushion. So, if she had sat half an inch to the left or right, it would have gone through her. Ouch. Craziness. Just... I don't... Woo. It's hard to to make up all this stuff, you know? Yeah. (laughs) All these things and more were daily occurrences, and the Moffats weren't even in that house for a year yet. I'm surprised they lasted that long or that they were even strong enough to stay together. Me too. Lee was in fear of her life, and the Bills and Deborah were in fear for her life. It'd be different if 
just one of them was seeing all this stuff, but everybody's like experiencing it. So it's, you know, they're not going to split up because of it. In addition to the messages and objects moving, there was now an awful putrid smell. I was going to ask if it started to smell. The smell of rotten meat mixed with sewage is how it was described. The entity would knock on walls, windows, and doors at all hours. They would lay in bed and swear they heard footsteps all over the second floor and going up and down, up and down the stairs. For one month, there was an increase in the number of birds flying around and landing near the house. Hitting the windows. Some of them even flew into the home, killing themselves. The Moffats had a rat infestation one month. Apparently, Deborah went into the bathroom and stood in front of the mirror and asked for the rats to go away, and they did. Taking this as a sign of improvement, the Moffats felt comfortable taking a trip they needed to get out of that house, away from the entity, but it obviously never left them. The Moffats found the same symbols that were around their home in the hotel room they were staying in. So now they know that it's them, not the houses, not an object. This entity was attached to them. Deborah decided to reach out to a Native American shaman that she and Lee met at one of the conventions and talked to her about their issue. I think I'd be going to somebody that knew about Santeria or whatever it's called. Santeria. Santeria. This shaman was given permission from the elder of her village to assist the Moffats. The Moffats were thrilled to have Red Wing and her associate Fire Panther at their home. I love it. You know you love it. The two shamans sat in the living room and started their ritual, burning sage, and they would waft the smoke with a white-tipped feather throughout the home, top to bottom. They came across no problems on the first floor, but when they wafted upstairs, it was like the smoke was being bounced off or blown back at them. And it was starting to head back towards them from the attic. This is where the entity had to be hiding, and they must face it. Red Wing, Panther, and Deborah, who volunteered herself. Fire Panther to you. What'd I say? Just Panther. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Red Wing, Fire Panther, and Deborah went into the attic. Fire Panther burned more sage and started chanting in hopes of coaxing this entity into revealing itself. Deborah. Unable to believe with her own eyes, watched as the insulation began to move and the outline of a face appeared. Just as fast as it showed itself, it was gone. The three returned to the rest of the family downstairs, and after a moment of silence, Red Wing said that this entity was more powerful than they had anticipated. It was some sort of ancient evil the two shamans apologized for not being able to do more for the family, but Fire Panther did believe he was able to remove some paranormal infestation from Bill Sr. and transferred it to the family dog. What? Not sure what to make of that statement. Days did go on. Bill Sr. was acting a little different than he was before, almost better. But sadly, the dog passed away. 
That bastard fire panther. Next, the Moffats met a paranormal investigator and researcher, Gary Kent. He had heard through the grapevine their story and offered to stay at the house to see if he could give them any assistance. This entity did not like Gary. Gary may have taunted it when he first arrived, which was a poor choice on his part. The entity ended up dropping a book on Gary's head. Things of his were destroyed. He was being left messages. The entity mocked him. It even decided that Gary needed a haircut one morning while he and the Moffats were eating. There were strands of his hair on the floor next to his chair. Gary didn't stay much longer after that, but on a positive note, while the entity was focused on Gary, it left Lee alone. Desperate, obviously. Deborah reached out to this couple she had recently heard about, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Hey. <laughs> They were highly recommended for this type of thing. The Moffats were losing faith in finding any resolution, and Lee prayed that the Warrens were their answer. Lucky for them, the Warrens were scheduled to be in California for another matter and agreed to come to the Moffat house. Lorraine began with a walkthrough of the home, hoping to pick up anything with her psychic abilities. Once she finished, she told the Moffats that there was an ancient, powerful demon in the house and this was not the first time they heard this, but it was the first time that they had heard the entity be referred to as a demon. The Warrens returned the following night to perform a rite of provocation ritual. This ritual was their way to force the demon to reveal and identify itself, giving the Warrens power over it. The Moffats and the Warrens gathered in the living room and Ed began to pray. Then, in the middle of the prayer, Bill Sr. started to shift in his seat like his body was not his own. It moved in ways that he could never, bending and twisting. Bill Sr. started to growl and move towards Ed. Ed stood his ground, continuing to pray, raising a cross for protection. Eventually, Bill Sr. made his way back to his seat it had become clear that the demon had taken a hold of Bill Sr. It was also clear to Ed that he and Lorraine could not help the Moffats. Why not? Never said. What? Didn't go into it from what I read. Too powerful for them or something? Yes. Dang. I think so. So it had gotten into Bill. Wow. The entity or demon. It I, never said its name or anything? No. Mm -mm. So the entity or demon, whatever you want to call it, its focus was back on Lee now that it had gotten rid of the Warrens outsmarting them. They know this because Deborah ran back into the bathroom one evening and pleaded that it just leave them alone, leave the house. And it responded saying that it wouldn't harm her or her children, or her husband, because it wanted Lee. It said, Lee belongs to me. So, yes, by the way, Deborah and Bill Jr. had their first child, by this point, a son. So it wasn't in Bill anymore? It was back in Lee? It was never in Lee. It just was in, I don't know, like if it was part of the house, if it was just right. a presence in the, I don't know. I wonder if Deborah left, if she would be okay, you know? 
Well, it never affected her. It never wanted Deborah. It actually listened to Deborah if Deborah were to ask questions. It's very odd. So this demon entity, I kind of like interchange what I call it. Yeah. Started to kind of ramble, which is weird to me because up to this point, the messages were single words or short sentences. Now it's telling Deborah a story. A story about monks from the 16th century performing a blood ritual and using a nun as a sacrifice. But the nun escaped, and in a past life, Lee was this nun, meaning her blood, her life was supposed to be his. They put a whole paragraph on the mirror this time. Right? Like, how strange. <laughs> At the end of the story, one more message appeared to Deborah, and it said, Lee will die in 10 days. Over the next nine days, things didn't change. Objects moved. Messages were written. The family never let Lee out of their sights. On the 10th day, Bill Sr. noticed that Lee was short of breath, was having difficulty moving around. After the omen of her death, they took no chances and they rushed her to the hospital. The doctors diagnosed her with congenitive heart failure and pneumonia. Even though the demon gave the Moffats a countdown to her death, Lee did not die. She would spend several weeks in the hospital trying to recover. While she was there, the house was actually peaceful. The Moffats would find little things moved around. Or like Deborah and Bill Jr.'s son's toys would be lined up in a row. Nothing sinister, just reminders that it was still in the house. Lee did regain enough strength to be discharged and was allowed to return home. Deborah stayed close to Lee upon her arrival. There was something about Deborah that kept Lee safe. The demon didn't bother Lee as much and it never bothered Deborah. Deborah asked Lee if she ever saw the demon and she had because it had a visitor in the hospital, which is probably why it was so pleasant at home because it was with her while she was recovering. Lee just knew that the presence had been watching her, waiting for her to die. But she didn't. What would it do if she died? Pass on to somebody else? Maybe. Now with Lee home, it came back with her. Back to its old ways and then some. Messages started back up, saying that the blood sacrifice had to happen. It was playing games with the family now, purposely attacking Lee's oxygen tank. Scraping Bill Jr.'s leg with knives. And one knife in particular, when he looked at it, was not one of theirs. They don't know where it came from. And they took it to a museum to be inspected. And it turned out to be some sort of ancient ritual spear tip. The demon wanted them to perform a blood ritual, giving them instructions and now leaving them the tool to do it. But of course, the Moffats did not comply. Another year has passed, and it's at the end of 1989, and a woman named Evelyn was introduced to the family. I know somebody's snoring. Yeah. It's Ripley. <laughs> she had heard all about the Moffats and their hauntings. She claimed to be a psychic, a paranormal expert, and she dabbled in witchcraft. She had pages of symbols for the family. They were for protection, and she wanted the family to draw them on the mirrors. This angered the demon entity, 
whatever you want to call it. And it was said that it showed his face to her in the mirror. After witnessing this and investigating the house, Evelyn had to sadly inform them that Prince, or the entity, or the demon, as they were referring to him, was one of the seven princes of hell. She also informed them there was nothing that could be done to remove his presence. In front of the whole family, she pointed her finger towards Bill Sr. and said this was all his doing, that he made a deal with the demon and invited it into the home. Once she said this, Lee wasn't sure if she could believe the woman, but Deborah did. Over the past couple of years, Deborah had thought that he was different from when she and Bill Jr. first were married and living with him and Lee. So was Evelyn right? Did Juanita bring this thing into their realm and Bill Sr. reasoned with it? Not long after Evelyn. And he kept this secret the whole time from him? I guess. So not long after Evelyn left, good old Gary came back for round two. But his visit was short-lived. After just a day or less of being in the house, the entity messaged Gary on the mirror and said that his blood could replace Lee's and Gary was gone. <laughs> he didn't like Gary to begin with. No, so Gary's like, all right, I'll try again. Lee had been thinking more about what Evelyn said the days following and she started to watch her husband a little more closely. She had discovered him going through her bank statements the two had separate accounts because when Lee's mother, Dominica, passed, she left her quite the fortune. Lee told Deborah about this, and Deborah went to the mirror and bluntly asked if Bill Sr. was behind it all. A message appeared saying, This little prick wants me to kill Lee, but he does not command me. Not long after that, Lee somehow got Bill Sr. committed because he was just going crazy from the accusations of Lee and Deborah, He gets out after two weeks. Then he wants to get Lee committed because he got committed and it turned into a whole ordeal. Lord. Lee ended up kicking her husband out of the house and the family would never see him again. With So he just wanted her money? Mm-hmm. Bill Sr. was out of the house. The demon... The entity would make its presence known, doing little things, but it was never violent. So maybe it really was Bill Sr. that increased that volatile nature of the entity. He was the negative energy feeding the entity. So Bill never commanded him, the demon to actually kill her. So the demon was just trying to get her to commit suicide as like this sacrifice or whatever. I guess until That's a good way to look at it. Bill actually made the command or something. That's a good way to look at it. I'm, you never know with these things. Yeah, I don't know. Over the next few years, Lee, Deborah, Bill Jr., and the kids would feel its presence, but they learned to live with it like it was just another person in the house, like an invisible person living with them. Having conversations with it. In 1994, Gary Kent made his third return to the Moffat house nearly <laughs> nearly five years since they last seen this man. He ended up staying with them. He had nowhere else to go. They were nice enough to house him the first time, so he thought he'd try again and again. He told the family that he was going to go move to England, 
but before he left, he wanted to test a theory. Since whenever he was in the house before, the entity, demon, was evil towards him, saying he wanted his blood. He asked the Moffats if he could use her bathroom one last time before he left. He wanted to maybe have a face-off with his greatest enemy. Don't do it. While he was in there, he stood in front of the mirror and asked if the entity would go with him. A message appeared saying, Gary needs me. Hmm. Allegedly. Once that happened, Gary said goodbye to the Moffats. He exited the house and the Moffats were never bothered by Prince again. So you think Gary wrote the message on the mirror? The other version is pretty much Gary goes to the bathroom mirror, asks the entity to go with him. It tells him no and insults him, which would be totally its style. <laughs> that sounds it doesn't, about right. Doesn't like Gary. The entity would stay because Gary was still in the house too. He hadn't left yet, but things did kind of dwindle down. As if the demon entity, whatever you want to call it, had given up on sacrificing Lee. It accepted the fact that Gary was staying with them for a few days. Deborah once again went to the mirror, told the presence there was nothing for it here to feed off of. There was nothing left to terrorize. It was time for it to go. Then, apparently in this version of the story, is when Gary says one more time, Leave with me, and this is when apparently it tells the house that Gary needs me. And then its last message said, Goodbye, my family, and left when Gary left. I don't know. Strange. It's just very strange. It, it, it needed Gary. Gary needed it, I guess. Why would Gary want it? <laughs> I don't know. Lee would pass away in 2009. Bill Jr. in 2012, after both of their passings, Deborah felt like she had enough courage to talk about what happened to her and her family, hence the books that were being written. One book is called Unwelcomed, the true story of the Moffat family haunting by Deborah Moffat and one of her daughters, Jessica. The other is a deadly haunting by this other author and Deborah helped. I can't, like I said at the beginning, I can't find either available, which is kind of a bummer. Bloomhouse Productions have bought the rights to the Moffat story and will be making a film and or a TV miniseries based off their experience. Dude, Bloomhouse, they always got the good ones. Maybe it all started with Juanita and their Santeria rituals opened up some portal. And that orb that the Bill saw connected to Bill Sr. because it could feel that he was a negative individual. Then once Dominica passed away and Lee had this large inheritance, Bill Sr. became fixated on the idea of Lee dying, leaving him in control of her estate. Just like in so many true crime stories we talk about, money is a strong motive. So was Prince real? Did the Moffat family really see and experience these things? Was it all a hoax somehow put together by Bill Sr.? We may never know. I guess it just depends on what you believe in. Well, having Ed and Lorraine come and say that there was this crazy presence that they couldn't 
save them from. And then Gary trying it three times and Evelyn trying. It's like something's something's there. Something was there, but Bill, what? Bill didn't pay them a ton of money just to say those things. Or did he? I don't know. That's wild. Hmm. I would read something. I was like, huh? What? You got to find those books. I know. Ugh. I'm excited to see what movie or show gets made from that because just reading. Yeah, I'm hoping for like a was mini series or something. That'd be cool. Netflix. Hulu. Something. Something. Well, good job, love. Thank you. Happy Halloween, everybody, again. I'm going to need a palate cleanser after that. I'm going to watch a Adam Sandler movie or something when we get downstairs. Oh, when we get done editing you this. You spin me right round, baby, right round. Is it like time for a record, <laughs> baby, right round, round, round. Y'all are lucky. Y'all got her singing twice in one episode. <laughs> well, we will be back again next week. I've got another episode that's not... That doesn't involve murder, so that should be interesting. Yours is still true crimey. Yes, it is. It'll be a good one. It involves prison prison escape, so stay tuned. Until next time, stay local, shop local. Haunt local.